Welcome to Enneagram Conversations with Jackie Brewster and Courtney Barman, where you'll uncover and discover more about yourself and others through the helpful tool of the Enneagram. I'm your host, Julie Underwood. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey, hey. So today we're going to talk a little bit about an interesting aspect of the Enneagram, the heart, head, and gut triads. So I'm not going to try to explain that, but I am going to have Courtney, if you could give us a little breakdown of what that means and what exactly the triads are. Sure. So triad, you know, tri meaning three. And in the Enneagram, we love, you know, kind of this division or breakdown of three. Um, So there's three different kinds, heart, head, and gut. Sounds anatomical or, you know, biological or whatever, because it's all kind of within the body. But it's basically how each Enneagram type, each number, like largely experiences and processes and responds um, to information. So twos, threes, and fours are the, you know, they operate from their heart or kind of that feelings triad. Numbers five, six, and seven operate from head or like thinking yeah, they're lot like logical. And then eight, nine, and one, they are gut or instinct. And we're going to break down what that means a little bit more, but just to kind of know, okay, when we're talking about this, it reminds me a little bit of like subtypes where we, we generally lead with one, but we have access to others, if that makes sense. And we're going, like I said, we're going to talk about that when things kind of get in our way, how to help find balance for each type too. So Jackie, can you break down what imbalance or not, when I say not, it's K-N-O-T, means within the triad? Yeah, so I find triad work so fascinating because it really helps us to understand how we're processing information. And when we first take a glance at this, right, and, and somebody says that, oh, you're an Enneagram too, so you must be in the heart triad, automatically you're like, oh, I must feel everything. But when we're looking at this information and you do a deeper dive into it, you begin to see that, no, 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 we're talking about there's an imbalance in that particular grouping. So when we look at each one of these triads, there's going to be an imbalance. So like an Enneagram two is going to have an imbalance. So yes, they are in the thinking triad, but it's knotted with something else, uh, which causes them to function in a different way or to use the the feelings along with, and for the Enneagram too, it's to use the feelings along with their gut instinct. And so oftentimes the two uh, demonstrates their love through action and deed. And um, they, you know, they love to give things to other people. They love to do things for other people. So they get caught up in doing their feelings instead of actually feeling their feelings. And so when we're looking at this, I think it's just so important for you guys as you guys are beginning to, you know, become more aware of your Enneagram type when you're hearing this about triads, I want you to understand it's not at face value. It's not like I'm an Enneagram seven, I'm in the thinking triad. So I think, 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 think I do. However, it's not about something else, which typically, um, does lead to some problems down the line. Uh, so when we're looking at this for the Enneagram two, you really want to think like, okay, you're doing your feelings. Are you feeling your feelings? And what does it look like to feel your feelings? So we want to separate this. We want to separate the doing and the feeling. And then we also want to pay attention to the thinking when we're doing the work around what's actually going on inside of myself. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I've never heard do your feelings. But I feel like being in the thinking triad, being a seven, I find myself doing my feelings a lot instead of feeling them, doing the whole avoiding thing. But I will do things for you, but I'd rather not sit with you in that. I love that. 
So, Courtney, does the Enneagram 3 and 4 do the same thing? No, they actually do it kind of different. So the, th- the Enneagram 3 kind of splits themselves into function mode or feelings mode. So they like to compartmentalize. They like to split things up, keep it neat and clean, kind of like a waffle, right? And like they don't want their worlds to intersect. They often fear being in their feelings because they're not able to be as productive or focused. You know, if, if achieving is a big deal to you, feelings really get in the way of that. They'd much rather stay in function mode and move to complete tasks, check things off the list, and succeed in whatever they're doing. What about the four? Well, the Enneagram four is also in that feelings triad. They are the ones that would use the feelings the most, if we're thinking about this, because fours lean heavily into their feelings um, and and also their thinking. So the feelings and the thinking get knotted together for them and they begin to um, have blockages in this area. So they ruminate, they they sit in their feelings and think about things and they might put music on to to help with this or watch a movie that um, that helps them to feel their feelings at a deeper level. But there's the knot that happens inside of this is that thinking and feeling and they get stuck in this so much so that almost the movement is separated and the movement is off balance, out of balance, off track. And um, they tend to have a hard time accessing movement. And so they oftentimes just kind of feel like I I am in a stuck state. I feel overwhelmed. I'm unable to move forward. I don't know how to do this. or I don't know what to do with all of this, these feelings and these thoughts that are coming in. So it's, it, it kind of gets all jumbled together for the four. So that's the heart triad. What if we look at the head or thinking triad? I'm in this triad and so is my husband. So this will be really interesting for sure. Courtney, what is knotted or out of balance for the Enneagram numbers five? So the Enneagram five is in the head or the thinking triad. And these fives, they get their thinking gets knotted up with their feelings, which causes them to become charged with intensity and can feel off kilter or scrambled in their thinking. Uh, but because there's an imbalance with their, with their gut or movement, they may get stuck in their thinking and have a hard time moving into action. So, you know, picture someone gathering, 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 but not moving forward, not moving into action. That's kind of the energy or maybe the, the pattern of the five. I feel like the picture, the word picture that comes to my head is like a forever student. Somebody who just keeps like getting another degree and another degree. And it's like they they can't quite move into picking anything, but they just want to gather, gather, gather information. All right, Jackie, tell us a little bit more about the Enneagram 6. Yeah, so the 6 is in the thinking triad as well. The distortion that happens in their thinking triad is that their thinking is disconnected from their feeling and their gut. So this looks different. The 3, 6, and 9... Uh, there is a separation between all three of these for each one of these numbers. And so the six functions in two modes, either thinking mode or duty mode. So when they are functioning from duty mode, they're using their feelings and gut instincts to help them move into action. But when they're in their thinking mode, they're often unable to balance their thoughts. They're not grounded in their body and their feelings tend to be overused and distort the situation. They have a hard time knowing how to move forward, what to move forward in. This is typically when their anxiety rises is when they get into that thinking mode. So it's a duty mode or a thinking mode. Have you witnessed this um, with your daughters? I know you said that you've got a daughter who you um, have said that is a six. Have you noticed that? with her? 
Yeah, Courtney and I, I think, both have daughters that are sixes um, or present that way anyways at this time. Um, and so with Ashlyn noticing this for sure when she's in duty mode she's go 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 when she starts to get uh nervous so we were at a conference with her and she was like helping host this big conference and she's in college and um she she's excited about it and she's doing all the things and she's in that duty mode she knows what she's doing but then when things didn't go the way that she thought and then she was nervous she was going to get in trouble and everybody's sitting in seats that are not they're they're not supposed to be sitting in. This is when I saw that thinking mode come in and the emotions start to well up and she got nervous and anxious and like, wait, this isn't going how I thought it was going to go. Now I'm, I'm scared. Oh my gosh, am I going to get in trouble? Is this going to be a, a reflection on me? Um, and so, yeah, I really did get to see that happen in the same day, like super confident in that duty mode and then swing when things started to get a little bit out of control for her. Um, and, and then she went into that, the feelings, you know, really came on board and she again, she just kind of panicked, like, I don't know what to do. And so she turned and faced me and I just stood there and kind of like protection, you know, right. Just stood there and she, her eyes welled up and I just said, okay, breathe, breathe. What can you control right now? What needs to be controlled right now? And so we calmed down in that moment, but Yeah. All right, so let's look at the seven. I feel like we're about to get exposed, Jackie. So, Okay, Courtney, be kind. <laughs> I will be gentle as best I can. The Enneagram 7 is in the thinking triad. They have a blockage in their thinking center, which causes them to overuse their thinking center, resulting in, in racing thoughts and just busyness. They rely really heavily on their gut or movement center to keep them busy and keep them preoccupied. You know, it's kind of this like constant motion sort of um, action and energy. Often seven u- sevens use their movement instinct to stimulate their thinking. Um, and this causes them to seek intensity and environments that feel alive in hopes of finding satisfaction and contentment. Can you guys, you guys relate to that at all? 100%. Even if it's something as simple as like going to the store, if I'm feeling really blah and I want to just like go be inspired by like the new spring colors or just what's going on, you know, what's the new trend or whatnot. Um, I, I definitely feel that if I stay home too long, I'm looking around and I'm like, I need some stimulation. Yeah. This happens for me and this, the thinking, like I've got so much to do. I have all these things on my plate. Oh my goodness. I need to do something instead of like sitting down and like being productive and writing content that I need to write or whatever. I'm like, I'm going to go buy bins. You guys have no idea how many yeah. bins are in my garage. Yes. I'm going to buy bins, all different colors and shapes and sizes. And I'm going to clean out a closet and I'm going to organize. And so the busyness, which is actually a fair amount of anxiety inside of me, it, it causes me to feel like I need to do something that I can see completion to. Like I need to do a project that I can see finished because everything feels open-ended. And so um, I oftentimes seek that uh, stimulation. I'm like you, Julie, though. I love to go to the mall just to be around people. And I say, like, I just need to go smell the mall. And my friends are all, <laughs> you look crazy. I'm like, I know it's ridiculous. It's I know it's not right. But um, there's something about being around the energy that energizes me too. Um, and so when I have a big project to do, when I'm writing a book or anything like that, I don't want to write in quiet at all, ever, never, ever. I want to write in the middle of my kids' chaos. I want to go to a coffee shop that's loud. 
I like it to have a lot of light. So I have a favorite one in town that I love to go to, but, um, I seek out stimulation in difficult situations for sure. I remember you saying that to me when we first got coffee, when we were kind of first like getting to know each other and you're like, this is where I worked on my book. And I just remember being like, oh, I thought authors like locked themselves away, you know? And I was like, this, oh, this makes perfect sense though. Like there's so much liveliness and bustle and you're like right, right in the thick of it. I love that. I need noise. I don't do well in silence. Me neither. If I have a hard task to do, whether it's cleaning something or just something I really don't want to do, I'm like incessantly scrolling podcasts trying to find something to distract me, whether it's funny or informational. And I, I, I'm like, is this a person? Is this a flaw that I can't be in silence? But this really, it just gives it such clarity for me of why it cannot be totally silent for me to be productive. That's so funny. All right. So Jackie, what tell us about the Enneagram eights. Okay, so the Enneagram is in the gut or moving instinct. I love that they, that um, Don Rosa and Russ Hudson talk about that gut being a moving instinct. It just makes it make sense because when we're talking about that gut instinct, what does that mean? But once they said it's like the moving part, I'm like, oh, I get this. This makes sense. So the eight is strongly connected to their own energy. They move fast, push things forward, um, and they do this by using that gut or movement instinct to energize them, to help them advance their agenda, to get projects done, all this kind of stuff, okay? However, their gut instincts gets knotted with their thinking instinct, and this causes a blockage in clear thinking and movement. So much like the seven who is, it's the same. The seven is the thinking that, that there's a blockage and gets knotted with the, the gut. The eight is the movement. The gut gets knotted with the thinking um, and causes them to move fast, fast into action, big picture thinking, let's get it done. Um, this can sometimes cause the eight to appear callous or disengaged because they are all about movement and what's going to happen. And it's not that they are disengaged. They're just focused on whatever task is at hand and they're excited, typically very excited about whatever project it is. Um, and they want the people around them to be supportive of this. And so there is a lot of passion with the eight and you see the passion come out when there's a project in front of them that they're very excited about. And so this would be a good picture of that, but I'd love to hear from you, Courtney, how you experience this in yourself. So when I started on church ministry, you know, staff, I was 18. And so pretty young, pretty passionate is a great word. Um, and again, we all, we all think we're normal, right? Like every, we, when we're young, or at least I did, I assume everybody thinks like me. So I could never understand why it was like taking so long for things. And I would burn people out. I would frustrate them endlessly because I would just charge forward, charge forward. Why do I have to stop and explain this? This is great. Like, come join me, come with me, this sort of thing. Since then though, I feel like I've done a fair amount of work and I try to be very conscious of that because I think maybe, maybe you said this Jackie, or maybe it was like a leadership thing, but you know, the, the ready, aim, fire. I'm just like, ready, fire, ready, fire, you know, fire, fire, fire. Where some people are like, ready, aim, ready, ready, aim. You know, I know that I'm, I'm a shot out of a cannon, but I have to be really careful because I know that not everybody is. And so now when I am doing projects, I actually try to move, um, like uncomfortably slowly for me. And it is, it is frustrating at some level, but I know that's the, for me, that's the better way. Like when it feels uncomfortable for me, that's actually the bigger win for the whole team, the whole organization. 
rather than just a, a sprint because that, there's a lot of, um, what's the word, collateral damage uh, when I do that, if that makes sense. You know, feelings get hurt, relationships get burned, all that kind of stuff, and it's not worth it. That's such good insight to awareness for an Enneagram 8. Um, and just for people to hear that too, like, you know, oftentimes eights get the rap that they just, they charge forward and they don't think about anybody else. It's not true when you're doing the work. When any of us do the work, we're going to look a whole lot different than the memes that we see posted. And so Courtney, that was such a great picture for us to see of what actual growth work looks like. So Courtney, the Enneagram nine is in the gut or moving instinctive triad. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? I love a nine. The Enneagram nine is like you said, it's in that triad. It's, it's gut or, um, the moving instinct triad and they have a disconnection between their gut instinct and their feel and their thinking and feeling instincts. So the gut or movement instinct is isolated in a way that allows the nine to be unaffected by their emotions and unattuned to their own thoughts, which makes sense. Um, if you if you study nines, if you're familiar with nines like that would make sense because they oftentimes have to wake up to their thoughts, wake up to their feelings, that sort of thing. The nine has two modes of being either. They are in instinct mode, which looks like a routine that allows them to kind of go through life, go through the motions, um, or in daydream mode, which allows them to kind of check out of reality and not really accomplish um, what they should be doing. So I think of it kind of like this, like instinct mode. Um, it's kind of like the jellyfish that like lets them float around in daydream mode is when they're like, do, 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 and they've escaped, you know? So those are kind of the, the modes they can get caught up in being. All right, Jackie, close us out with the Enneagram one. Go for it. Okay. The Enneagram one is in the gut or moving instinctual triad as well as the eight and nine. And so when we look at the Enneagram one, you know, they're in their gut, they're in their instincts, but the not is with their feelings. And so, um, when their feelings and their gut instinct connect together, it causes the one to feel anxious, irritable, edgy, um, they have a hard time grounding themselves to be fully present in the moment. And so, you know, they're thinking, oftentimes we think the one is the logical thinker. They, they're on board that way. And when you start to understand this work, they're actually not. It's their feeling in their gut instinct that's causing them to move into action a little bit like the two that we talked about as well. And so um, that knot, again, is in the gut instinct and the feelings, they get knotted together. And that's what is causing the anxiety or the anxious feeling, the irritability, the edginess for the Enneagram one. All right. So this information is really fascinating to me. I had been talking to Jackie about this. I said, what order, once you find out your Enneagram number, what order would triads come in? And she explained to me that it was first, you'd kind of find your subtype once you find your number and then triads come in after that. And it kind of gives you the why behind what you do and, and gives a lot more explanation to what you do. So I love learning about this. I think this is so interesting. A little bit of self-awareness can go a long way. So what are people supposed to do with this information? Like what's a practical way that our audience can take this information and actually utilize it this week? 
So this information just scratches the surface of Enneagram triads. Um, I would encourage you guys to read more about the Enneagram triads if, if you guys are finding this information as fascinating as we do. So there's books out there like The Wisdom of the Enneagram or anything written by Don Rizzo and Russ Hudson in this area. I would say go get it. Uh, you can find information on my socials and Courtney's socials about triads. So dig into that as well. And there's tons of other great Enneagram um, content out there when it comes to the awareness work around triads. So this information though, what we want you to do with it is to go back and listen to the little piece, a little clip of, of your Enneagram type and hear again, what was the not? So you know you're, you're in the Enneagram triad that you're in. So if you're in Enneagram two, you know you're gonna be in the, the feelings or the heart triad. What was the knot for you? Go back and listen to what the knot was and then begin to understand, you know, pull it apart, journal about like what is happening. So if I'm doing my feelings, am I actually allowing myself to feel my feelings? Um, you know, and is this working for me? That's always a question Courtney and I ask our clients, like, is this still working for you? Like we're going to discover the pattern, but we need to become aware if the pattern is still working. And if it's not still working, that's where growth happens. That's where we begin to acknowledge what it, what the pattern is, acknowledge how the pattern served us, and then acknowledge if it is or isn't working. And then how do we release this pattern? How do we shift and move towards a different way? So here's a couple of questions that you guys can ask yourself. Is this true about me? Let's start there, okay? Because you guys have to acknowledge it. It's not enough for us to tell you something. You have to make sense of it in your own life, in your own story. How is this showing up in my life? So how is the knot for your Enneagram type showing up in your life? Can I identify the knot or imbalance? Are there stories that you can talk about, stories that you can write in your journal, stories that you can process through your head that make sense to the imbalance that you're seeing um, in your particular Enneagram type? That's great. Thank you so much, you guys, for breaking that down for us. Um, we're really looking forward to hearing more about these as the podcast goes on. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Join us next time as we continue our conversation about the Enneagram and what it means for your relationships. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And while you're there, we'd love for you to leave a review. Your kind words help others find the show. For more great Enneagram content, you can follow Jackie and Courtney on Instagram at Enneagram with JB and at Courtney B Coaching. To learn more about Jackie and her resources on the Enneagram, you can visit her at enneagramwithjb.com. And while you're there, make sure to order her newest book, The Enneagram and Your Marriage. We'll see you next time on Enneagram Conversations.